Oklahoma really does have a very open access to most legislators. I won't say all, but most legislators are really open to communicating. So that's good. And I think that's where the citizenry in Oklahoma can make an impact. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. On today's episode, we are focused on the 2020 legislative session. And to really give you an overview of what to be on the lookout for and tips for advocating, whether in person and via email or on the phone, we have our advocacy specialist, Jake Glantz, who is going to be at the Capitol full time sharing your stories with legislators. And he's also going to be there for you. If you want to come to the Capitol, Jake will be right there with you, changing the public policy in our state. So Jake is going to be interviewing Adam McCreary. Adam is the Senior Manager of Government Relations for the Cherokee Nation, and we're so glad that he's going to be sharing his insight and years of experience at the Capitol with us. Adam chairs our Legislative Advocacy Committee for Mental Health Association Oklahoma. With all that being said, the Mental Health Download starts now. All right, Adam. So welcome to the Mental Health Download. Uh, thanks for coming over here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about it. Awesome. Uh, so Adam, you've been involved with the Mental Health Association. Uh, you've been on the board for the last three years. I guess tell us a little bit why you decided to get involved with the association. Sure. So I started out on the board through leadership of Tulsa uh, as a board intern. And it was my first choice of a board to serve on. So I was excited. Uh, and then I've actually been a board member uh, going on my third year now and currently serving as the chair of the Legislative Advocacy Committee. The reason I'm interested in the Mental Health Association and why I'm so passionate about their mission is that I've, per- first of all, personally dealt with um, mental illness. Uh, I've had anxiety for as long as I can remember since I was a kid and suffered basically every type of uh, anxiety that you can have over the years and have struggled with that. So uh, that's one area why the mission matters to me. But also um, my dad suffered from a severe mental illness uh, and it affected our childhood uh, growing up and um, affected our family like, like other people that have these issues. And then ultimately, I think, led to um, his early um, death. And so uh, when that happened, it uh, really spurred me into wanting to do more to help people that are affected by mental illness, to advocate for them, and um, try to just do whatever I could to help make the world a little bit better for folks suffering from mental illness. I've been passionate about politics and government since I was a kid. Um, in fact, my family gave me a hard time that when most kids were watching cartoons on Saturday morning and early mornings on the weekdays, I was watching the news. And so it's been something that I've been actively involved in my entire life. Um, But thankfully, I get to also do that in my day job at the Cherokee Nation as senior manager of government relations for Cherokee Nation businesses. So um, I work uh, primarily on our state legislative affairs and have done that for the past four years now, going on my fifth uh, state legislative session. And um, it's been great to be able to pair the work I do on a daily basis with the work of the Mental Health Association and the Legislative Advocacy Committee um, and getting to uh, combine those missions together has been really great. So at the time of recording, we are uh, just under a week 
before the legislative session begins. Uh, you know, obviously here at the Mental Health Association, we have a number of priorities that we would hope to to see accomplished. I know um, around the state, there's been this debate about whether Oklahoma should expand Medicaid. I know that there's State Question 802, which is the initiative petition to expand Medicaid in Oklahoma. We're also expecting some sort of plan from the governor. Uh, and we're not quite enti- we're not entirely sure what, what what to expect from the governor at this point. But I guess looking at this session, uh, I guess from a healthcare perspective, do you think that do you think in a year's time we Oklahoma will have expanded Medicaid? I think so. Um- the initiative petition, the state question that will be is waiting to be placed on a ballot by the governor of Oklahoma, will garner a lot of public support. It already has garnered a lot of public support. It received uh, far more signatures than it even needed to get placed on the ballot. And I think that's where the people of Oklahoma want to go. They want straight Medicaid expansion. They don't want anything tied to it that the state legislature could do, like work requirements or premiums. So while the governor, I think, will present an alternative proposal and the legislature may consider it, uh, I really think the initiative petition is the best way to go and um, hope that we can get the support for that. And as a top priority of the Legislative Advocacy Committee and the association, the board actually voted to endorse that state question and uh, we will be advocating for it all session and through this year. Yeah, I mean, we know... uh if, if we expand Medicaid in Oklahoma, there's, uh, you know, nearly 200,000 200, people will gain access to health insurance. There's roughly 97,000 individuals who experience mental illness who do not have health insurance that could benefit from expansion. Uh, I definitely, I, I think that looking at where Oklahoma's state of affairs are as from, from a healthcare perspective, uh, I think we need, I think we need expansion desperately. Our, our rural hospitals are in danger of closing, uh, healthcare costs are high. People are 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 sick and, and need help. It'll be interesting to see what what the governor proposes. I know that there's been some talks about uh, a med- a Medicaid block grant, which uh, I know Tennessee applied for. We haven't really seen what's come of that, but you worry about you worry about work requirements. You worry about people who you worry about putting more uh, restrictions on people to get health insurance. So I think totally. I think. State question 802, that getting passed and then going uh, and then being implemented would be the best thing for uh, for the state as a whole. So looking at last legislative session, we saw some movement on the criminal justice reform or some movement on criminal justice reform. We saw uh, the retroactivity of state question uh, 780, which led to the release of, uh, of nearly 500 individuals. And I believe that there's more people who are waiting to be released as well. These are not people who uh, committed nonviolent offenses who are incarcerated for crimes that are no longer illegal or are, are no longer uh, felonies in, in Oklahoma. Uh, and now we're looking at state question 805, which would reduce the amount or, or would basically restrict the use of sentence enhancements in Oklahoma for people who are nonviolent offenders. So looking at that, I know that they're Signature collection is underway, and we're actually going to be having Chris Steele, the uh, executive director of Oklahoma's Criminal Justice Reform, on the podcast very soon. So I know that they've they've begun signature collection uh, as well. Uh, what do you think the likelihood of that getting on the ballot and passing this year? Sure. Yeah. When we talk about criminal justice reform, uh, you're really talking about mental illness in a lot of ways because folks experiencing the criminal justice system are disproportionately affected by mental illness. I think we all know that, and so. 
any of these reform measures that we can get passed are extremely important. I think this state question has a very solid chance of getting on the ballot when they, if they can collect the number of signatures. And then I think at that point, it's just educating the public on what it does exactly. Um, I think a criminal justice reform sometimes can be a bit wonky for the, pub, for the public to understand exactly uh, what they're supporting because you don't want to feel like you're going to be letting criminals out that are going to be harming society in any way. So uh, I think once folks see how sentence enhancements are just quite frankly ridiculous and um, how they're leading to folks being in prison for a lot longer than they need to be and, and really disproportionate uh, punishments for the crimes that they committed, that there's going to be strong support for that. And then uh, I know at the state legislature, there's a few pieces of legislation that uh, I know Senator Thompson and others are focusing on as it relates to um, fines and fees, which is also another part of the, our justice system that desperately needs reform. But I think the people of Oklahoma support it like they did with the last state questions. I think there's certainly an appetite for criminal justice reform, and I hope we keep the momentum moving forward on those issues. Great. Well, another another issue that we expect to come up is the issue. There's a lot of legislation that we've seen that has to do with with youth mental health, specifically mental health education in schools. Uh, I know Representative Boatman has a bill, uh, House Bill 3540, uh, which we, uh, we we definitely expect to be a priority of the Legislative Advocacy Committee at the Capitol. Uh, but also the issue of, uh, you know, ensuring that uh, schools have an adequate amount of, of school counselors. You know, Oklahoma has the highest ACE scores in the country. There's, you know, a lot of data out there that shows that we're not investing in our, our children is from a mental health perspective, and we're, we're paying for a lot of the high costs of, of not treating people on the back end, like through our criminal justice system, through our mental health system as well. So I really think that I really think that we need to see more investing investments into uh, into into youth. Yeah, and I think what we're talking about here is early prevention and intervention really at the youngest age possible so that we're not dealing with these um, issues uh, downstream, you know, that we're not having to focus on criminal justice reform, but we're getting to it earlier than that. And uh, we're not having to focus on so much uh, treatment and intervention later in life when it comes to substance abuse or any other issues, but we're focusing on that at a very early age. Uh, and so that comes through legislation for um, trying to get more uh, mental health education for teachers uh, so that they can uh, more crisis intervention so that they know how to deal with students that are experiencing mental illness and they can help guide them to the resources and then making sure those resources are available for them once you get them directed to those resources is really important. And I know just personally for me, like I said, I've suffered from anxiety since I was a little kid but particularly into my teenage years. And quite frankly, there was no understanding of what it was. Um, my family didn't really fully understand it, didn't have anybody at school that understood what I, what I was going through. And so just lifting the veil, taking away the stigma, making people or allowing people to talk about these issues more openly in school, making teachers more aware, making students more aware uh, is really important. And some of that can be th done through legislation at the state level. And so I'm excited to see those pieces uh, move forward. So we talk about all these. There, there's a lot of bills that would that would make a lot of changes uh, to the mental health system, to the criminal justice reform system, to our healthcare system in, in Oklahoma. How do we get all these things to actually pass? I know legislators 
you know, they lo- they like to hear from their constituents about issues, but how do we actually get these bills passed? Part of that through our work in the legislative advocacy meet, um, committee is simply making people aware and letting them know what they need to do in order to advocate for this at the state level. So sometimes there are a lot of folks who get, um, I'm trying to think of the word to use here. Uh, they're intimidated by the state legislature, by the process. Like, can I just call my state legislator? Can I just email them? Can I go to their office in Oklahoma City? There's various ways in which you can advocate, but I will tell you that uh, every state legislator I talk to wants to hear from their constituents. They want to know what's important to you. You're, you're their constituents. You're the people that are voting for them on election day. And so uh, a simple message, an email to them is important. If you can make it to Oklahoma City and you can go talk to them about these issues and tell your story, how mental illness has impacted you and how particular pieces of legislation help solve this issue. I think a lot of legislators at the Capitol right now, both sides of the aisle, are well aware that mental illness is an issue in our state and that more needs to be done to address it. But I don't think they always know uh, what those solutions are. And so part of that is by going up there and and telling your story. Uh, And that starts really with communicating with your state representative and your state senator first. You can go online to find my legislator and put in your address. You can see who your state representative is, who your state senator is. And I encourage you just to send them an email and ask to have coffee with them, um, ask to meet with them, ask uh, to open a dialogue. And I promise you that a majority of them will immediately respond and look to make that connection with you. Uh, It's not like uh, federal politics that's a far away place in DC. We always can't connect with our federal representatives. Um, our state representatives really are local representatives and they they want to to be there and be supportive. And so I think just getting over that initial fear of reaching out is really important. And I hope that some of the work we do with the legislative legislative advocacy committee um, helps people to overcome that fear and to make those contacts. And then I, I think they that's really when you start to see progress on these issues. Yeah. And I think that yeah, like you said, I think people have this idea that le- especially their state representatives and state senators are, are not accessible. But, you know, I've had legislators tell me specifically, hey, you know, I'd rather hear from my constituents than than a lobbyist or, or somebody else that, that doesn't rep- or that, that they don't represent. I know, you know, we, we're just going to need to have more involvement from people, whether that be at the Capitol, whether that be, you know, people calling or emailing. You know, I'll be honest with you, the first week that I started working at the Capitol, I was a little intimidated myself, but sometimes it just takes going going up there and walking the halls and seeing who's in their offices. And and I know uh, last year when we had our, our day at the Capitol, I had people who were pretty intimidated. They didn't want to talk to the legislators, but, you know, we had a, an instance where the house is on the floor and we literally just, you know, when, when, you're, when you're at the Capitol, there's a little area where there's a desk where you can have a piece of paper and you write down which legislator you want to be pulled out. And simple as that, we had one of our, one of our staff people went and pulled out, I believe it was representative Van Curen and he was happy to come off the floor. I mean, those legislators, they're on the floor for hours on end, come out and talk to their constituents. They had a question about a bill, wanted him to support it. And he said he was happy to, happy to support it. So it's, it's really is easier than it seems. Uh, I think we have to remember 
or constantly remind ourselves and remind people that the state capital is the people's house. You know, uh, any everybody is welcome. The people uh, that represent us, they represent us. They work for us. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, I think that those state legislators get tired of seeing people like me and you, Jake, who are up there every single day. I mean, they know what issues we're advocating for and what we're supporting. They know the they know who we represent. But it really makes an impact when you have uh, a teacher, a student, uh, you know, moms, dads up there speaking to their their legislator, talking about these issues. I I know there are some legislators that do some do a recording of of who supports particular pieces of legislation, and lots of them don't even consider people that aren't their constituents. I mean, they want to know from people living in, in their district how they feel about issues. So I really think that's something we need to to get across to people. And they're willing to to open that relationship and have that dialogue. I know that I have Representative Van Curen, for example, as my my state representative, and I have coffee with him on a regular basis and we discuss issues um, frequently. So I want to remind everybody, if you're not already subscribed or not already signed up for advocacy alerts, you can go to mhaok.org forward slash advocate. You can sign up for advocacy alerts. We'll send those out during the legislative session uh, when there's an important bill uh, or a deadline when we need people to to be contacting the elected officials. I think in my opinion, uh, the best way to, to, to contact an elected official is, well, one, obviously face-to-face. If you're able to do that, that's awesome. But a phone call. A lot of times when you send an email, uh, legislators email boxes, especially during the session, get pretty full. So they're not necessarily able to read every message that they get. But when you when you make a phone call and a staff person uh, answers, you want to make sure that you tell them that you live in their district, because especially if they're your representative, you want to you want them to know that they're that you're a constituent. Uh, So that's the first thing you want to do. But you also just you want to kind of tell a little bit about you know, if there's a bill that you want them to support, why you want them to support it, you want to use data to back it up. So Adam, what's your, what's your biggest advice to, let's say I'm somebody who, let's say I have some free time on a Tuesday during a legislative session. And I'm like, you know what, I want to go to the Capitol and advocate. What's your biggest advice for me? Sure. So I would start by knowing a few pieces of legislation that you're either supporting or opposing, uh, knowing those bill numbers. So House bills will be HB and then a four digit number after them. Senate bills will be SB and a few digit numbers after them. Knowing that that bit of legislation, I think, is is really important and helpful to legislators because once the session gets going, things come at them really fast. Committee meetings are happening. Uh, floor proceedings are happening. They're uh, looking at hundreds of pieces of legislation a day. So going up there, knowing what you want to speak to them about specifically, and then being concise and telling your story. Um, if you're at the Capitol and you pull a legislator off the floor, you may only have a minute or two with them. So being able to quickly and concisely tell the story and why you support a particular um, piece of legislation is important. And also, uh, like you mentioned, if you have data uh, figures specifically to Oklahoma that support that, then then letting them know. And if you can, um, if you have, uh, uh, I would say, you know, like Mental Health Association, if Oklahoma will put out some advocacy papers, a, a leave behind a one pager that you can hand them that gives them a little bit more information, a deeper dive on a particular issue then that's good as well. If you don't want to dive deep into the weeds and men- mental illness is just an important issue to you or mental health is an important issue to you, then going up to the Capitol and meeting with legislators and telling them that is fine too, especially when it's your legislator. So like you mentioned, 
you can pull them off the floor. You can talk to them. Also, almost all of them, all of them really have open door policies in their offices. You can walk in, you can speak to their legislative assistant who will be sitting at their front desk. You can ask to meet with the legislator themselves. And now, depending on how busy it is, you may not be able to get into their office. But a lot of times they're sitting there at their desk and you can walk right in and speak to them. Uh, so uh, Oklahoma really does have a very open access uh, to most legislators. I won't say all, but most legislators are really open to communicating. So so that's good. And I think that's where the citizenry in Oklahoma can make an impact. Uh, February 3rd, the legislative session will convene. The governor will give his state of the state to the legislature, a combined session of both the House and the Senate. During that speech, the governor will outline his priorities for the year for the legislature, um, what he's focused on, and usually some budget-related items, too, that he'll be focused on in the coming session. Uh, and then from there, it, it kicks up with committee meetings in both the Senate and the House moving towards a final adjournment in May. So it does – the session is compressed. It moves quickly. Uh, and a lot of issues are addressed in a, in a short period of time. And additionally, one of the most important jobs of the legislature is to appropriate funding. Uh, I think we've all heard that state agencies can expect a pretty much flat budget this year. So um, we all know when budgets or when agencies aren't receiving more funding, they're really losing funding because they're always serving more citizens. They have more more needs, more services that needed to be need to be provided. So uh, I think that's something to to look towards and, and watch the budgeting process at the state legislature, really probably the most important task they do. So Adam, with that, you know, when we close out our podcast, we always like to ask our guests to to tell our audience to, to go do good things. So why don't you leave us with some parting words and tell the audience to go do good things? Sure. As I mentioned earlier, I just would tell the audience not to be intimidated by the legislative process, to feel comfortable contacting legislators, feel comfortable going to the Capitol if you can, and feel comfortable uh, opening a dialogue with the political leaders in our state because they need to hear from you. Uh, They need to hear your stories. They need to know what you're going through on a daily basis. They need to know the challenges that you're facing related to mental illness. And that's just critically important to this process. With that, go do good things.